Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Let's go to the book of Galatians tonight as we are uh, on our Route 66 journey through the 66 books of the Bible, and now we've come to the book of Galatians, which just happens to be the, more than likely, the oldest book in the New Testament written. Galatians was written before Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, so Paul did not reference their manuscript, their outline, or their story to write the book of Galatians. There is some dispute whether it or 1 Thessalonians was written first. They're very similar, but it looks like Galatians probably wins on that deal, somewhere around 50 uh, B.C., Uh, A.D., I mean, (laughs) not B.C. (laughs) That would be weird. Uh, 50 A.D., uh, where Paul penned this gospel. Long, much of his writings were done long before any of the other guys wrote. Isn't that interesting? And so uh, Paul opens up Galatians. And now Galatians is a powerful book. I highly recommend you to have a regular reading in this book because it keeps our focus on, well, it keeps the main thing the main thing. All right? It keeps our focus on the right thing, the true thing. And that is, he makes a great defense for the gospel and why it's so important to keep the gospel in its purest form. Anything other than the pure gospel is a perversion. All right? And, and, and the thing about the perversion of the gospel that, that was being preached um, and commanded of other people was that it sounded real similar to the gospel. Just a few things added to it. And it's a little bit enticing, and if you're not careful as a believer, I've been a believer since, well, as long as I can remember. 40 years, probably. I think I was saved at five. And as long as I have been saved, and as long as I have experience the love and the grace of God in my life and preaching about His wonderful love and that you can't earn it and you can't earn this grace, you can't earn this salvation, I still find myself tempted to earn it. Am I the only one? Still find myself feeling the need to perform for God to get His attention, to get Him to look at me in the right way. Still have that temptation. That is... The problem with this flesh, because the flesh is all about works. Paul said in Galatians, remember he says, for the works of the flesh are evident. And he names what those works are. Uh, Adultery, fornication, lasciviousness, you know, all those kinds of things. He says the works of the flesh, because the flesh is about the work. But the spirit isn't about the work. The spirit isn't the work. It is a fruit. So it is then a product of something that already exists. The fruit of a tree. The tree has to exist before the fruit does. And so because we're planted in Him, because we have the Spirit in us, now we bear fruit. So the effort of the flesh has nothing then to do with that. The works of the flesh are canceled out of that. This perversion that had come in here 
where Paul is going to make this strong stance for the gospel is the gospel of faith in Christ plus the works of the law. And that is nothing but a pure perversion of the gospel. Another perversion of the gospel is repent and believe. That is a perversion of the gospel. It sounds good. It preaches hot and heavy. But it's just not the gospel. Another another perversion of the gospel is to be a good person. To be sincere. And to try to get along with everybody. That's a perversion of the gospel. Those things cannot add to what Christ has done when it comes to your justification before God. The only thing that justifies you and I is faith in Jesus. That's it. And so Paul helps bring us back to the purity of the gospel and the power of that gospel in its ability to help us. You remember Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel in Romans chapter 1. We all know that verse of Scripture, right? You've got the tattoo, the t-shirt, or something. Uh, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So Paul says, now listen, you and I, maybe you have found that you have performed in such a way in front of people, in front of co-workers, that you don't feel right about preaching the gospel. Because you'll be thought of, you'll, be, you'll, you'll, you'll think that they'll call you hypocrite, or, and they will. They will. The moment you bring God up, they start looking at all the things that you've done wrong. Right? And I'm always thinking, who's judging who here? I'm just talking about Jesus. Don't judge me. I'm not judging you. You're judging me, actually, jackass. Now I'm judging you. So, but here's the thing. Paul didn't say, I'm ashamed, I'm, I'm not ashamed of myself, so I'll preach. I, now I, I feel good that I can preach because I've, I've performed right. No, you and, all, you and I all are, are all ashamed of things we've said and things we've done. But don't mistake that and don't mix the gospel in with your performance. You just stay unashamed of the message. Okay? Just stay unashamed of the message. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because here's the thing. The gospel is what saves. We know that. Our lifestyle, our living the gospel, is not what saves people. It's words that save people, not works. And the words are this. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Whoever believes on Him will receive everlasting life. Isn't that beautiful? So, there it is. There it is. That's the gospel in its purest form. So we preach Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus died. Jesus was buried. Jesus rose again. 
Yeah, but Pastor, don't you know, they got to know first that they're sinners. Oh, they know. Anybody who does not have God in their lives, they know that they don't have Him in their lives. He doesn't need you to tell them the obvious. He needs you to tell them some good news. Huh? He needs you to show them a way out, not the way it is. The way through, the way to life, the way to victory. And there's only one way to do that. So now he, he opens up the book of Galatians. Now I, I want to just, first of all, before I get into, into that, I just want to share some scriptures with you. I like sharing, especially in these New Testament books, scriptures that, you heard, that you've heard and that you know and that you probably quote, but maybe not have known that they were in Galatians, all right, or whatever books we're covering. The, the, the first one I want to talk about is Galatians 2, verse 20. It says, Paul says, I am crucified, or I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Isn't that a beautiful song? I, I, a beautiful uh, verse. It used to be a song. When I, was, uh, when I was growing up, we used to sing this, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Anybody else ever sing that song? Well, you missed a great one. <laughs> I had a friend I went to Bible school with. Her name was Amy. She's just, she still is a friend, and she still is Amy. Um, and she, is, uh, she lives up in Minnesota, and she serves her dad and his church up there. But she's always a real sarcastic kind of girl, and she always talked. She said, every time we sing that song, I always thought of Ethel Merman. I am crucified with Christ. Thank you. Nevertheless, I live. You're the greatest. <laughs> Galatians chapter 3, this is a key, key scripture for us, and you've heard me talk about this. And the scripture, verse, chapter 3, verse 8, I'm sorry. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, in you all nations shall be blessed. Verse 9, so then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. And we've talked about that timeline thing that the Scripture, it says, preached to Abraham. Well, the Scriptures hadn't been written when Abraham was around. They didn't come until 400 and plus years later when Moses pinned them down. How then did the Scriptures preach to Abraham? How is that possible? Now we understand just how eternal this word is. And that this Scripture was written on the heart of God long before it was penned by a man by inspiration of the Spirit. And so God showed Abraham, and you can open up Genesis 15, we don't have to do that tonight, but it says that the word of the Lord appeared to Abram in a vision. So it wasn't just something he heard, God showed words to Abraham. He showed his word in a, in a vision, and it was the gospel. Isn't that incredible? In you, all the nations will be blessed. Um, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, this is another, what Brian was talking about, about this exchange. And, and we talk about the exchange quite a bit here, a lot. We're, never, we're not going to stop talking about it until people really grasp it and believe in this exchange and live out of its experience. And this is, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for who? For us. As it is written, curses everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham 
might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That's a powerful thing. So what happened, Christ became a curse, and then everything about that curse was completely, completely fulfilled and stopped in Him. When He became the curse, then you no longer ever could be cursed again. As a matter of fact, what God has blessed cannot be cursed, and He has blessed you with an everlasting blessing, and that blessing cannot be cursed, and it cannot be reversed. There is no curse on you. There is no curse that has a power over you. When I was in Africa, I was amazed at how many believers there still believe in the power of curses and and are held into bondage to that. Now, now that's a very real realm in the demonic realm. Casting curses on others, a witch doctor performing that or somebody else. And, and if somebody is, is not a child of God, well, they, they can certainly be affected by that curse. And I was talking to a man a few years ago in South Africa who had dabbled in those kinds of things in his younger years. And so he was afraid, and because... Uh, because Actually, once he became a believer, those who he had performed witchcraft with and all those kinds of things, they all started declaring curses over him. And he was talking about how he started enduring these physical difficulties and and was having a real hard time because of these curses that were pronounced over him. I said, "Um, I think I can help you. And I said, let's go to Galatians chapter 3. And as we're sitting at this table, we're outside, uh, we've been at this conference, we're outside just taking a break, getting some fresh air, and there's a man sitting next to me, he said, you know, Pastor Eric, he said, I think what we need to do is just really just kind of walk through all the curses that have been pronounced over him and just start, you know, identifying all those things, and so that we can, we can get this dealt with. I said, I don't think we need to do that. And he looked at me, he said, really? I said, well, let's just look at the Bible, Okay. So we open up this chapter, this verse right here. And I said, now, buddy, I want you to read this. Just read it out loud for all of us to hear it. And he said, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. As it is written, curses everyone that hangs on a tree. I said, Christ became what for you? He said, he became a curse. I said, what do you think that means? He said, it means I'm not cursed. I said, exactly. And his eyes lit up. He said, it's that easy? I said, yeah, isn't that great? That's good. That's the good news. Christ did that. And this guy stood up and just started rejoicing and saying, I'm free. Thank you, Jesus. I'm free. I'm free. And after he was done, the other man was sitting there, he looks up at me, he goes, boy, we sure do complicate things, don't we? I said, yeah, we just got to stick with the book and the man in the book. Hmm? Christ has redeemed us. Look at uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. There, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Listen to this, Galatians 4, 6 through 7. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, 
Abba, Father, therefore you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. An heir of God through Christ. I heard about a man a number of years ago who had received a certified letter um, handed to him at his house. The post, the, what are they called? Postman showed up and handed him a certified letter. And in that letter, he read this information that he was the sole heir of his grandfather's wealth. His grandfather was worth millions of dollars. His grandfather was a hard-working rancher who had accumulated much land and much wealth through the years. And he saw that he was the sole heir because his parents actually had passed away and there were no other grandkids. Now, this young man had spent much of his life in and out of rehabs, being on and off of drugs, not holding down a steady job, and had a criminal record to boot. The truth is, if we're looking at him, we're going to say that this guy wasn't even half the man that his grandfather was. But he got what his grandfather had. His grandpa had earned all that he had in his wealth and his lands and all those things. But his grandson received everything his grandpa had. Not because he was so good, because he wasn't but because he was born, because he was born into that man's family. The same blood that was in his veins was also in his grandson's veins. And so, his grandpa had earned all he had. Jesus earned every good thing and ensured that every promise of God is certainly yours. All you had to do was be born into the family to receive that inheritance. And that's what that's saying there in Galatians. If you're Christ, then you're Abraham's children and heirs according to the promise. Galatians 5.1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by, by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Now, that yoke of bondage is not necessarily, I mean, all sin is bondage, but the yoke of bondage it's talking about here is, is not, about the, all the things that we call sin. It is the yoke of bondage of putting yourself under a law that binds when you've been set free. To go under something that was never intended for you to go under. To bind yourself to something that you have been completely free from. And Paul says, stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. And don't be entangled again with a yoke of, a yoke of bondage. Um, but, uh, Galatians 5.22, you probably learned these in, in if you went to Sunday school. Anybody here go to Sunday school as a kid? Yeah. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. What fruit was, was long-suffering? No, what fruit represented long-suffering? You remember? Always the banana. I don't know why. In, in my growing up, because I guess it was a long piece of fruit. It was always long-suffering. <laughs> True. <laughs> Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. How about Galatians 6, 2? Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. And then the, 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 the last verse that you probably know is one I quoted tonight. Do not grow weary in verse 10 
while doing good for in due season. Uh, I'm sorry, nine. <laughs> yeah, let us not grow weary while doing good, but for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. It's a great, great book. I mean, it's six chapters long, and it's just rich with some wonderful verses. But I want to take a moment to just talk about uh, Paul's presentation here. Um, and look at, look at chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So he's saying, my apostleship, I wasn't given papers by somebody who told me, now you can be an apostle, or we knight the apostle to the uncircumcised. He said, no man gave me this title. I didn't go to Peter, James, and John and said, can I please work for you? Can you put me in ministry? None of that happened. He said, those guys, didn't, no man did this. God did this. It wasn't from man, and it wasn't through man. I'm not who I am because some guy some denominational organization, some headquarters said, that's who I am. My apostleship came from Jesus Christ himself. All right, so he has to make a stance for his apostleship, and, and, and we're going to know why in just a moment. Look at verse 11. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. If it was according to man, you would have to perform somewhere in it because men always end up thinking they got to perform somehow. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it. He wasn't taught this by anybody, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 13, For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. So, so he's saying that does it make sense for me who tried to destroy this now to be preaching it? What man could persuade me? Because all those guys that would try to persuade me were scared of me. Because I would rather have seen them all dead. I mean, he, was, he had authority, he had papers to go into people's homes dragging men and women from their homes and putting them in prison, anybody that preached the name of Jesus, anybody that were associated with what they called the way. He was on a tirade to get this done. He was the Al-Qaeda or the ISIS to the church. And he had a cause and he was zealous and he was doing it for God. See, let me just say something tonight. And this is what Paul's really going to be saying in Galatians. Just because you believe something does not mean that it is true. Though it may be true to you, it doesn't make it the truth. That's what makes these, these armies like this, like this ISIS, dangerous because they believe what they're doing is of God. And they have a conviction about it. This was Paul. Saul, I should say, of Tarsus. He was zealous for God. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a keeper of the law. And if there was something threatening it, and there was something threatening this law, this performance-based relationship with God, it was this free, greasy, hyper-grace message that was spilling out all over the place, and people were getting set free. And so he said, we got to stop this. Until 
road to Damascus experience where he said, Who are you, Lord? I thought I knew you, but now I don't know. And that revelation of Jesus Christ, and there are several places throughout the Scriptures that talk about Paul seeing Christ himself. He said, I saw him as one being born out of time. It was these meetings with Jesus that he had where Jesus taught him what to teach us as Gentiles. No man taught him this. Look at, look at chapter 2, verse 6. But from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows uh, personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me. But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me as the gospel to the circumcised was to Peter. Well, who gave that? Who's the one who commissioned that? Who commissioned Peter to go to the Jews? Okay, so he's saying the same Jesus who commissioned Peter to go to the Jews is the same one who commissioned me to go to the Gentiles. All right? I'm just as much an apostle as he is. Okay? And when James, Cephas, and John, Cephas being Peter, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So they all realize, okay, we're all called by God, but we're just called to different audiences. Same God, same apostleship, same authority. You go, to the, your, you go to your people, I'll go to my people, and someday we'll meet up and have lunch. Galatians chapter 3. Are you okay? Look at verse, look at verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. In other words, I presented the gospel to you. It's Christ crucified. Verse 2, the only, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? And this is man's thinking to himself is to say, I've got to add now to this. So what has happened in the Spirit, I need to perform in the flesh so I can show my righteousness. And he says, this, this, now, now you're being perfected that way? Have you suffered so many things, if indeed it was in vain? In vain, if indeed it was in vain? Verse 5, therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you. Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of if you want miracles, you got to fast. If you want miracles, you got to pay the price. Hmm? This says that's not how miracles come, and that's not how the supply of the Spirit comes. It comes by the hearing of faith. See, that, that takes all the self-promoting right out of it, doesn't it? I can't brag on me. Well, I did this and I did that, and therefore we saw miracles because I performed so well for God. Now, look at this, chapter 4, verse 8. But then, indeed, then, uh, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. When you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. In other words, 
He was saying you were easily given to religious kind of thinking and acting. You're going to believe something. And you're going to follow something. I don't care who you are. And without this gospel, you're going to live a religious experience. Watch this. But now, after you have known God, and this is what he's so ticked off about. Now, after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire to be in bondage again, free people looking for shackles to put back on. How is it that you're turning back to a religious kind of thinking, a religious kind of living? When you've been known by God and you know Him, how do you do that? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid for you lest I have labored for you in vain. In other words, he said, you're acting like Jews and you're Gentiles. That baffles me to this day. I have friends that are Gentiles that live like Jews. You can almost hear the song have a different turn to it. Put these shackles on my feet so I can't dance. <laughs> and the whole reason he's saying these guys have come, have come in and, and these false teachers have come in following Paul's ministry. It seemed like they did this in several places. They certainly did it in the Corinthian church. They came in behind him and said, yeah, that's good, that grace and all that stuff, that's great, but you need to be circumcised and you need to keep the law of Moses too. If you're really going to be righteous, because otherwise you're not really saved. Because nothing in life is that easy. Look at chapter 4, verse 16. I'm almost through. He says, have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? They zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to actually exclude you that you may be zealous for them. So they come in and saying, no, no, no. What Paul said, we're here to, to, to take you into greater understanding, greater revelation. Paul laid a foundation, but let us take, now it's time to mature and grow up and pay the price. And so now they tell them they've got to do these works and they've got to observe these months and feasts and days and years and you need to do this. And you need to... So Paul says, okay, so these guys have come in and because they tell you to do things, all of a sudden that tantalizes you and, 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 you, and, and you act like now that their authority is authenticated because they have rules for you to live by. So Paul opens up this book. Remember, how did he open it up? Paul, an apostle, not by man, not through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. I would say that's a huge statement. I mean, that's telling them, I have authority. I have authority to speak to you because I didn't get this from man. My authority, my apostleship comes directly from God Himself. Now, what's the next thing that Paul's going to say? 
If he's here to exercise his authority over them, he's going to say, you need to do this, 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 this. He's going to start barking out orders. But look what he says. God, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, verse 2, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, here comes the fire, grace to you and peace. Wow. Isn't this gospel a glorious gospel? My authority is from God. Grace to you. Peace. I've never had anybody who wanted to exercise authority over me in life sound like that. The hammer was always coming down. Hmm? Grace to you. Now, he did correct them in, throughout here, but not without first starting in grace. And he ends the book with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. All in grace. All right, this is the last scripture, Galatians chapter 5. Let's look at this for a moment. And I want, this is the thing I want you to, to chew on and meditate on. Uh, Galatians 5, verse 16. I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. A little later on, he says, if you live in the Spirit, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. I want you to understand something for a moment, that there is a distinction between living in the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. How do you live in the Spirit? You believe on Jesus. It's at that moment you're living in the Spirit. But he says, since we live in the Spirit, let's act like we do. Let's walk in it. Huh? Now we're talking. But if you don't first have the understanding that you live in the Spirit already before you walk in the Spirit, and walking in the Spirit doesn't cause you to live in the Spirit, everything changes in your relationship with God. The way you see your relationship with Him, the way you see life. Because now you understand that you are not living towards perfection. You're living from perfection. Perfection isn't the goal, you've already reached that goal. He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So that's done. So now you're living that perfection out. Because if you think that you have to walk in the Spirit in order to have that perfected end, then what, what does it really mean if he who began is he who will finish? He did. He started, he finishes. So then sometimes we see God as way down here at the perfected end, where he wants us in life, waiting with his hands on his hips thinking, are you coming? Are you coming? You going to keep stumbling? You going to keep doing that same thing over and over again? How's all that working for you? Come on. 
get over here already. Would you hurry? Like we've got this impatient, sighing, upset God. When if he started it and he finishes it, then he has to be in the process from start to finish. So as much as he is in the perfecting, he is in the process. He's in your next step. He's in your now step. And if you'll say, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. God's with me right now. He's not waiting for me down there. He's with me right now. And he's taking me now, arm in arm, to where we're going. This is a relationship. This is not a schoolmaster, a taskmaster. Hurry up and get it right. We're walking together. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Okay, back to, uh, oh, that was verse 25. Thank you, you found it. Uh, verse 17. Of chapter, For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another. Have you all found that to be true? <clears throat> like Paul said in uh, Romans 7, that's, that, that, that I don't want to do, that's what I do. That, that I do want to do, I don't do. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Well, what do you wish to do? What's stopping you from doing what you wish to do? The flesh. Because you it's talking about here is not your flesh, it's you, the Spirit. The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh so that you do not do what you wish to do. The thing that's keeping you from really doing what you want is the flesh because it wants to do what it wants to do. But if you identify yourself as the flesh, then all your desires are going to be jacked up. You're never going to think that you can have any right desire and you're going to pray prayers like, oh God, I don't know what I want. I, 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 when I pray, I just hope it's His will. I just don't want to get it wrong. Hey! You have the right desire. You have the right desire. Your want to is His want to. Why? Because the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead now lives in you. You're a new creation in Christ. That's why you need to pray bold, confident prayers. It's that flesh that starts minimizing how we approach God. And think small and think, I'm not worthy. And because if, 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 if when you approach your prayer life like that, like, well, I've got to make sure this is His will, the chances are, if you pray, it's going to be about very minimal things. You're going to get in and out of that thing and go on with your life. Thank God that's over. Hmm? rather than understanding that He loves you and He longs to hear from you when He said, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. Amen. Wow. It's hard to cover Galatians in one evening. But we did do a whole series on this, if you all remember. Um, so you can, it's on our podcast list. You have to scroll way down like to 2012. I can't believe that was almost five years ago that I did, I think it was a 10-part series or something. 
on the book of Galatians. And uh, so it's on there, and we go really in-depth in the book. So I just gave you a snapshot tonight, and I hope it's been encouraging to you. And uh, just remember to keep the main thing the main thing. Believe in the gospel and its power to save, and that you're secure in Him because of Him. Lord, thank you for this evening. Thank you for all of these who are here tonight and those who are listening by podcast or watching uh, on our live stream. Father, thank you, Lord, for the outlet that we have to be able to minister to more and more as you have uh, given us that ability. Father, thank you for this gospel that has come to us, that saving, saving gospel, that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Thank you that tonight, right now in this moment, we are new. And though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. Every day, it's a new day in the Spirit. Everything is continually new. It never wears out. It never grows old. It never tires. So, Father, help us to live out that experience, to walk out that experience, I should say, as we live in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit and to enjoy the freedom that we have in Christ and to stand fast in that liberty so that we don't get caught up in bondage in man-made bondage, in, in, in the traps of the devil that would try to rob us of the goodness and the freedom that we have in Christ. And Lord, that we would, as your ambassadors, take this message where we go. You've brought us here on planet Earth at this time with a voice for our generation, with voice to declare Believe on Jesus. Christ died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day. He did everything that was necessary for you to know God and to come into a good relationship with Him and to have heaven as your home and God as your Father. God, help us to be bold with that message. To, 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 even though we might be ashamed of things we've done, to never be ashamed of your gospel, but to declare it. Even in this earthen vessel, even in this imperfect body, you've called us to give this pure, perfect message. So we'll be faithful to do that. We'll be faithful, like Isaiah said, when you said, who will go for us? And he said, here am I. Send me. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.